panel when I would hear from different students on different campuses, share their experience being conservative, and it made me feel like I wasn't alone in my experience being stigmatized on campus. And so here with us today are four women who are fighting back on their campuses. They're here to share their stories of their struggles and also their victories over the liberalism on campus. We have Elizabeth Hayes-Camp from the University of Minnesota. We have Kana Zigowitz, I always pronounce it wrong, from Hamlin University. Lauren McHugh, who was actually a CBLPI intern last year. Uh, from the University uh, from Virginia Tech and we have Mallory Carr who just most recently hosted a loose speaker on her campus at Georgetown all right take it away ladies hello my name is Elizabeth Hayscamp and I'm a student at the University of Minnesota Twin Cities throughout my time at the U I've seen many instances of the liberal bias not always directly focused on me but on my colleagues as well it's extremely well known that all college campuses, excluding maybe the most conservative in the country, present challenges for right-leaning students on campus. And when you add in the fact that I go to a large public state school that sits in between two major cities, it just amplifies the liberal. I've been a part of discrimination within our student fees process for my student group and had professors blatantly lie to a class under the pretext of academic freedom. These are both frustrating, but my favorite story is the time a professor who I didn't know decided she knew me and what I should think. One day, I was tabling with a couple of friends for our college Republicans chapter on campus, and up comes a science professor. We talked about a range of topics, and we could tell she was getting more and more frustrated because, in my opinion, our answers were sensible, and she didn't like that. We got onto the topic of healthcare, and we were discussing how we didn't believe universal healthcare was the best idea. And she looks at us and says, you like to watch people die in the streets in front of you. I mean, this wasn't something that I knew before that day, but I'm glad she let me know. As a freshman, I was shocked, but I just laughed it off because she's a crazy professor. And I was so surprised that she would say that to anyone, let alone a student. At that point, though, what is there more to do than to just let her walk away? Even after encountering all of these biases, I wasn't going to stop believing in what I thought was right. These situations just pushed me to become more involved on campus trying to make a change. This year, I was lucky enough to serve as co-chair of the Minnesota College Republican State Board, become president of Collegians for a Constructive Tomorrow, a conservative environmental group, and become the opposing voice on our student government's executive board. Through these positions, I've been able to share an alternative view with many students on campus. And through these organizations, I've learned a lot about myself, my beliefs, and I've learned to not be ashamed to stand up and fight for what I believe is right. Everyone around me believes I'm liberal because I'm a woman and I'm young. These assumptions are amplified because of the obvious liberal presence. I look to all the empowered women of the conservative movement and remember that I don't have to settle for the lies that I'm fed in class and to succumb to the assumptions of what I should believe as a young woman. I hope to be one of the people other women look to to show that there is another side that truly believes in women and our futures. That's why I'm really excited to be here today to talk about my experiences on campus. Thank you.
Um, my name is Kana Zygowitz. Um, I'm very honored to be here today and to be given this opportunity to share my college experience thus far with you. I just want to start off by saying these days college is not easy. Um, I'm only a sophomore student and I'm double majoring in legal studies and philosophy, getting a paralegal certificate and a minor in religion all at a small private school. As a college student, the world asks a lot of you. You're expected to have multiple majors and minors, to be in organizations and clubs, to do volunteer work, and to have a job and internships to support yourself and gain real-world experience, all on top of having a high GPA and maybe having some semblance of a social life. Students these days run themselves into the ground trying to accomplish all these tasks. Um, but these expectations are not what brings me down. I study all of these areas because they bring passion to my life. The thought-provoking perspectives I gain and the critical examination of the worlds that I now participate in come directly from these areas of study. They give me an outlook on the world that I never thought I would have, and I wouldn't give them up. I'm heavily involved in seven campus organizations because they also bring passion to my life. The people I meet through my sorority are people that I never would have otherwise even talked to. The rewarding experiences that I've had working with so many philanthropic organizations are soul-fulfilling events that I also would have never, never, never otherwise been blessed with, and I wouldn't give them up either. I don't let these requirements that the modern world puts on me as a college student hurt me, because personally, I would still do them if they weren't requirements. But I am still hurt as a college student. I'm not hurt by my GPA. I do quite well, and I'm not hurt by my jobs. I'm very good at time management. But what hurts me are the political assumptions that the world puts on college students. Last weekend, I attended the Minnesota College Republican State Convention, and one of the speakers there said that someone once told him that all millennials are liberals. As the speaker looked around the room, he asked us specific questions about our views on free markets, on taxes, and on the right to bear arms. And I sat there and I thought. And all I could think was that it makes so much sense. Not that all millennials are liberals, which clearly was not the case because we were in a giant lecture hall full of young conservatives, but that people think all millennials are, are liberals. I am a millennial. The majority of my fellow college students are millennials, but I am not a liberal. Are the majority of my fellow college students liberals? Honestly, I can't answer that question and know whether I'm right or wrong because in the classroom that I learn in today, it is not open to conservative ideas views, or values. Of course, I can make assumptions. I go to a private liberal arts college in the most urban area of a historically liberal state. Most of my peers are likely to be liberals. But I don't like assumptions, and I can't actually know for sure. I can't actually know because my classrooms don't let me express my political ideas. My classrooms make assumptions that all students in the class hold liberal views. The way professors talk about current events or hold political debates is completely one-sided. Only one view is represented and supported, and you can guess which view that is. Now, I don't necessarily want professors to advocate for conservatism. I just want them to be open to the ideas and not scoff or laugh out loud when they are brought up in class. As students, we are encouraged to participate in discussions, and we are actually graded on our, on our participation and the effort that we put into discussions. But when I bring up my personal ideas and opinions, they are not well received. I'm usually personally attacked for my beliefs because they do not, what, do they do not fit what the professors and fellow students believe, uh, at least not what the outspoken students believe. Maybe there are other students like me, 
students that have conservative perspectives but are just too afraid to express them in front of their professors and other students because they are worried they might be personally ridiculed. And I can't blame them. I strive to make it through a daily struggle of attacks for being conservative. To be fair, I do openly express my beliefs, and I don't do them, so, I don't do them rudely. I don't put down others' opinions. I simply share mine and am open to listening to other people express their opinions. But that's just how the modern classroom works. In each of my classes, I have become the token conservative. Even my close friends have described me as that, kid, as that kid that sits in the back and says stuff that everyone disagrees with. That sentence describes exactly how I'm known on my campus. It doesn't bother me that people disagree. That's perfectly fine. If everyone agreed all the time, the world would be boring and nothing would get done. But what bothers me is that I'm not allowed to have these different beliefs. Students come up to me and ask how I can dare to be conservative, how I can dare to be conservative on our campus, and how I can dare to be a woman and not be a liberal. This treatment is what brings me down. I'm a strong person and I can take a lot, but to work so hard and to put so much effort into making the most out of college, simply to be rejected by others for my beliefs hurts. My campus preaches constantly about being accepting of others and being open-minded, but I guess conservatism is just an exception, exception to that rule. You don't have to accept, accept conservatives on my campus. Um, but they can't stop me. It might hurt and they might bring me down, but whenever they do, I just think about all the good things I have going for me. I think about my passions in life, and I get re-energized to walk back into class the next day and once again share my opinions just like every other student does, even though when I get in debates with other students, I'm completely alone. I don't have other students backing me up. But I'm only alone in my classroom. To be here today and to see all these women advocating for an open world where it's okay to be a woman and to be conservative gives me hope that one day, conservative women in college don't have to do the same things that I do and don't have to work so hard to just to sit through class on a daily basis. I want to work to change that because it just isn't right. Thank you so much for allowing me this opportunity to share my experiences. And if any of you have any questions or are interested in discussing any with me, please do come find me and talk to me. Thank you again. Hi everybody, my name is Lauren McHugh and I am a student at Virginia Tech. And my first, um, not my first contact, but this past summer I interned at the Claire Booth Loose Policy Institute. And while I could talk about being a conservative on college campus all day, I'm going to use this time to give you a glimpse of what it was like for me to bring a loose speaker to campus. Um, but let's go back to my history with Claire Booth Luce. My first contact was in 2012 at their um, college networking, not college co networking, but college luncheon at the Young America's Foundation Conference. And there I discovered this organization that advocated for people like me, conservative women. And I spent all of high school being told I couldn't be conservative and a woman. So I was fascinated by this organization. And down the road, it led me to intern at the Institute. And before I went there, I was so solid in my convictions, but I was shy. I didn't really go out and advocate for my beliefs. And after the internship, I was courageous. And I was bold enough to go on my campus, start a conservative club, and kind of plant seeds in people's minds with conservative values that they've never heard before. 
So I spent the whole summer in D.C. very, very excited with everything I learned, and I decided I was going to go back in campus and host a speaker. And we picked loose speaker Bay Buchanan, and I brought her in through my Young Americans for Freedom chapter, which I started after my internship. Um, and we had the challenge. We needed to fill a room. You know, day after day, students go in, and they reluctantly go to their lectures, so how do you convince them to come at night when they could be doing literally anything else and spend an hour, hour and a half listening to conservative ideals? That was the biggest challenge in my mind at the start. And I learned that you need to use bold flyers and bold advertising to get people in because they're never going to look at your advertisements or even think about coming to a, a conservative speaker unless you have something that catches their eye. And the Claire Booth Loose Policy Institute encouraged and pushed me to kind of do something outside of my comfort zone. And I knew that they were going to be there when I did get backlash. So I decided to title the speech, Alien Invasion, How Illegal Immigration is Hurting America. I thought this was a fun play on words that would catch people's eyes. But the left on campus, so basically everyone else that was not in my conservative club, was in an uproar. So I'm going to give you a little lowdown on some things I experienced before, during, and after the event. So I was hanging out my flyers, really excited that people were seeing them. They were also lime green, which also got people really mad, but they caught people's eyes. Um, before the event even started, I found out that this professor paid someone off to interview me on the local NPR affiliate for the sole purpose of trying to make me look like a racist. Of course, I didn't give them any good material, but that did not stop the professor from showing my interview to all of his political science classes as an example of a racist at Virginia Tech. Um, which was really ironic because one of the reasons that I brought this speaker in was because my own mother is an immigrant. She came here legally. And that's why it's an issue I'm so passionate about, because I'd love more people to come in through that outlet. And of course, you mentioned that in every interview, but the media is going to do what they want, and they're not going to include that. So um, apparently, I wasn't allowed to use the words illegal and alien, because they violated the university's principles of community, which is just another speech code. On the college campuses, there is an attack against free speech everywhere you go. I mean. University of Michigan, they had the inclusive language campaign, which they funded to tell students what words they can and cannot use. It's everywhere, all these campuses. Um, their explanation for this speech code was that I denied illegal immigrants of a common humanity by calling them what they truthfully are, illegal. Therefore, I was encouraging violence against them through the use of those words. Um, so, you know, that's just the common liberal administrators on campus. You just kind of have to brush it off. But it was followed by harassment, social media, in person when you're tabling, everywhere you could find Lauren McHugh or Young Americans for Freedom or just conservatives in general are racists and intolerant, which is not true. The left is what is intolerant. But throughout all of this, Claire Booth Loose Policy Institute was only a phone call away walking me through any doubts challenges or fears I had. So the day of the event came. I was excited. Um, we had a room for a book for 100 people, so I was even nervous about filling that because I really didn't know what to expect. This was my first speaker. 
We had 300 people in attendance. It was packed. <laughs> Thank you. And I don't know if you've ever heard Baby Buchanan speak before, but she's very bold, and she does not need a microphone. But we even had to mic Baby Buchanan so the people overflowing in the hallway could hear her. And I looked around, and I was like, not nearly 300 of these people are not conservatives. But, you know, I was proud because for once they were listening to conservative values. I spend day after day in my classrooms listening to liberal values, but for once something I agreed with, something I believed so strongly that I want to advocate for for the rest of my life was being heard by students, by these 300 people. And even if they didn't agree with me, I guarantee you we planted some seeds that will eventually blossom and these kids will come around to have common sense one day. Thank you. After the event, I felt so fulfilled and accomplished. It really was, Claire Boothloose provided me with an opportunity that really has motivated me to keep going full force forward. And Baby Buchanan even said that it was the best event that she's ever done just because of the engaging, excited dialogue. So I was excited and I thought, yes, um, my conservative club, we're gonna bring speakers forever and ever. This is gonna be great. We have a high profile on campus. There's like 300 clubs, but people know who we are. But one late week later, I found out that my club's funding was cut for two semesters. When I couldn't really get a concrete answer why, I invited myself to the budget board meeting and I interrogated them and I called them out. And this was the answer I got from the head of the student budget board. If he had known the topic was gonna be about immigration, something that would create a problem when there wasn't one, he would have never approved the funding. Now I told them that was clearly censorship and a violation of free speech if I had ever heard one. And they validated their intolerance of conservatives saying, clubs like yours generally push buttons more than other organizations given the nature of their mission. So we have to look at you differently. And I thought the nature of our mission, promoting freedom, empowering young women, that is so dangerous that you justified your right to shut us down. I was not letting this happen. And I know Claire Booth Luce was not going to let me lose my club over this event. So I appeared on Fox News to expose the targeting of conservative groups on college campuses. Um, as well as this was covered by Breitbart and even Drudge Report, so people knew about it. And I have to thank the Claire Booth Loose Policy Institute's media training that they brought into our intern seminar and even in the office because they prepared me for this firestorm I had. You know, I was learned how to give a good sound bite and just look at the camera and not be too nervous. And after that interview, I had numerous students and faculty thank me for inspiring them to come out of the conservative closet on campus instead of hiding their views out of fear. So putting pressure on the university proved successful and exposing the intolerance of the left um, left them like shaking. I think they were miserable going to work every day for that two week period because they had to deal with the conservatives on campus, which I think was great, you know, they deserve it. They've been getting away with being intolerant for way too long. So um, even alumni called and tried to pull their donations to the university once they realized that their money was funding censorship of conservative thought. You know, these alumni turned out to be conservative somewhere down the line 
and they don't realize that they're kind of donating to like many institutions of socialism. So um, that was great, which made the administration mad. They wanted me to retract the statements and get things pulled. And within days, the administration swiftly overturned the decision to cut our funding. And for the first time on Virginia Tech's campus, conservatives stood up against the ideological discrimination of the left, and we won. <laughs> Thank you. And you know, once you expose the left, they will be left with no choice but to reluctantly rule in your favor because it just makes common sense to everyone outside of their liberal bubble that what they're doing is unconstitutional. And once you expose the left, you will be a role model for students on your own campus, campuses beyond. And I brought this speaker, and this all happened to me my first um, lecture I hosted. So every student in this room can do the exact same. Doesn't matter how much experience or lack thereof you have, you can do this. And it is actually important that you bring conservative thought to your campuses. It's not enough to just sit around. Um, and through this experience that Claire Booth Luce helped me and provided me, I realized that I could be a powerful, confident, and conservative woman. And it actually throws the left off guard. If you look at me, it doesn't look like I'm someone who's going to give you a hard time. And I think the budget board administrators and students initially did not take me seriously. But through the summer I spent at Claire Booth Luce and all the training and education I received, I was able to go in fearlessly and fight back. Um, and it really developed me into the conservative leader I am today. It made me realize you have to put something greater than yourself, which is our conservative values that we believe in. And, um, and along the way, you meet best friends, you meet a support system of young women who are doing the same. And if you ever feel down, you can look at what they've done for words of encouragement. Um, I even remember talking to Michelle Easton on the phone, kind of freaking out, saying, oh, this is so much, this is so much, it's all coming down on me. And she gave me advice and a pep talk and the drive to keep on fighting. And that was one of the moments when I realized how instrumental Claire Booth Luce has been in my life and just serving the conservative movement for young women and just conservatives everywhere. They're a group that's principled and passionate about ideas and that's something that I admire. I'm gonna leave you with one more quote. Um, it says, no good deed goes unpunished and that's by Claire Booth Luce. And it's something that keeps me going. You know, as a conservative on your campus, it's not going to be easy. And it's definitely not easy for me, and I'm sure for many of you, it's not. But she says no good deed goes unpunished. So you have to know that while you're being a bold conservative woman, you are doing good, and you will be rewarded, and you are making a difference, even though it might not feel like that when you're such a small number in the realm of things. So thank you very much, and I look forward to um, your questions. Thank you. Hello. Uh, my name is Mallory, and last week I brought Dr. Christina Hoff Summers through the Claire Booth Blues Policy Institute to speak at Georgetown. So I'm so grateful today to be able to share my experience with that, because it ended up being uh, quite the event. So I first wanted to bring a Claire Booth Blues speaker to Georgetown because of the ongoing national conversations, especially on our campuses, around feminism. 
Whenever the topic comes up and I mention I'm not a feminist, I'm rather condescendingly reassured that I just don't know what that means. Clearly, it's just the equality of men and women. How could anybody be against that? The obvious problem with this definition and these explanations is that they ignore the fact that feminism is a social movement made up entirely of politicized organizations. As such, it exists in a highly political framework, and any proper definition should account for this. This is why Dr. Somers was the perfect speaker to bring to campus. She was able to lead a discussion on common issues many women, including conservative but not limited to, have with modern feminism. She has an optimistic view of women's progress and believes in what she has termed freedom feminism. I felt she should be heard and she would bring a new and valuable experience, um, perspective to our campus. Evidently, feminists on campus disagreed. Uh, the day Dr. Somers was scheduled to give her lecture entitled What's Right and Badly Wrong with Feminism, a campus group focused on sexual assault issues uh, emailed their members asking them to attend in protest. Their email referred to Dr. Somers as an extremist anti-feminist speaker that dismisses and denies survivors of sexual assault. That's an incredibly bold, insulting, and unwarranted statement, but the group went further saying that college Republicans needed to clarify why they felt it was appropriate to bring this speaker into our community. Obviously, they in no way were open to a dialogue or even the thought of remotely considering an opinion that might be contrary to their own. In addition to the email, the event's Facebook page blew up. Someone had posted a trigger warning on the page, prompting a discussion that then brought in fans of Dr. Somers from across, across the globe. Um, we had people from Canada and Hungary all engaging and interested in this topic. But visitors to the site who disagreed with the mere fact that we were having this event were, again, outraged that people were engaging in such a discussion. They accused commenters and Dr. Summers herself of hate speech, threatening the college Republicans with a Title IX violation for creating a hostile environment on the Internet. Looking through the actual content of these posts, it's hard to even imagine where the hate speech allegation could have stemmed from. Uh, one commenter referred to militant, militant feminists as feminazis, which although in poor taste is more in line of calling someone a grammar Nazi than inciting violence. Um, in defense of the protesters, one person did engage in an ad hominem attack, but the college Republicans swiftly uh, removed that. Within minutes, it was gone. I would describe the rest as a rather civilized discussion, one that you would expect at a university. Needless to say, the backlash was very sudden and unexpected and led campus um, administrators at Georgetown um, to give us security in attendance. At the event itself, there were more handwritten signs made on construction, uh, construction paper posted that gave attendees right outside the door another trigger warning um, and described a safe space down the hall. So if anyone got so offended that they had to leave, they had somewhere to go. Just as a real quick reminder, the name of the talk was What's Right and Badly Wrong with Feminism. No adult woman should have such delicate sensibilities as to make even so much as hearing a discussion on feminism but the safe, um, impossible for them, but the safe space was provided regardless. During Dr. Sommer's speech, protesters held up yet more signs and they contained even more trigger warnings and called her a rape apologist. 
Now, regardless of your thoughts on the merits or the very concept of trigger warnings, what we saw that night was insulting to women, but more importantly, survivors of sexual assault. Trigger warnings were originally intended to provide rape victims that might have post-traumatic stress disorder just a heads up when something might cause a physical reaction and spark flashbacks to their trauma. But the display and emphasis on trigger warnings and safe spaces the night of our event had nothing to do with respecting this desire. One protester even held up a sign that just said, trigger warning, anti-feminism. Clearly, this was not about sexual assault or survivors. It was a blatant political attempt to use outrage in order to silence dissent any dissenting opinion on the agenda of modern feminism. At the end of remarks, uh, her remarks, Dr. Summers did address sexual assault since the protesters had brought it up. But of course, none of her opinions could be distorted to even be remotely sympathetic towards rape. She's a respected academic and arguing for due process and the use of accurate statistics in describing the problems we face. As Dr. Somers brought up, lying about instances of rape and sexual assault is what actually hurts victims and creates a culture where they're taken less seriously. If the protesters had listened to Dr. Somers speak without their preconceived notions, they would have understood this was not about rape apologists versus sexual assault activists, us versus them. But what they couldn't seem to understand was that both of them were on team woman, so to speak. Dr. Somers' talk focused on the need for collaboration between different schools of feminism. They need to work together rather than fighting each other in order to accomplish women's advancement. But this was clearly just not a conversation campus feminists wanted to have. Modern feminists do not want to collaborate with conservative women. Our student newspaper, The Hoya, even ran an editorial suggesting Dr. Summers should not have been invited and calling it a harmful conversation to have. Fortunately, those outside the campus bubble were able to see the ridiculousness of this entire affair. The Daily Caller, National Review, and Fox News all covered the event, highlighting student protesters' insistence on a safe space just because, for some reason, they needed protection when a conservative speaker spoke. The outrage and response sparked by Dr. Sommer's lecture shows how dangerous conservative women are to the liberal worldview that permeates college campuses. Conservative women pose an existential threat to the entire framework of modern feminism. They show that one can be successful, educated, independent, while still believing in the sanctity of life and the importance of reliable data to inform our political debates. This is why the Claire Booth Loose Policy Institute's presence is so important on our college campuses. We have to highlight our voices and bring attention to the dangers of modern feminism in order to truly help women and combat the victim narrative. And I was so grateful to have Laurel and everyone at the Institute and help in bringing Dr. Somers last week to finally spark this much needed conversation. Thank you so much, ladies. You did a really excellent job. Um, now we're going to have a quick Q&A for the ladies up on the panel. Um, when you answer the question, if you could just lean forward towards the mic so that they pick you up. Um, does anyone want to start with a question? Terry Flowers. Thank you. Uh, I, I'd like to say one thing. If, if you think it's tough being a conservative student on campus, try being a conservative professor. Uh, I, and, and one thing about the, about the campuses, all colleges and universities are supposed to be the, the, the marketplace of free ideas. 
And, and for that to ever take place, we have to be able to not just tolerate those other kinds of ideas, but embrace them, consider them, debate them, and discuss them to the point that we can make good decisions. I know on our campus, uh, I, I've, I've had Star Parker, and I, I was for 33 years the, uh, on, on campus. I was the, the advisor to the College Republicans. We had Star Parker, we had Christina Hoff Summers, and it was the faculty who tried to tear them apart. Uh, in fact, it, it got to the point when Star Parker was speaking, I had to actually have security protect her from the faculty, <laughs> not from the students. You know, we, so, so uh, and, and by the way, when we, we, we send some of our students, and I'd encourage you guys to do this, to go to Claire Booth Luce, we sent some of our students, they got some of the training, uh, they came back, did an affirmative action and bake sale on campus, and I thought the sociology department was going to have a stroke. <laughs> but they raised issues and at least openly got people to, to, to think about them. So, uh, oh, by the way, Lauren, I want to say, uh, on, on, on Virginia Tech, uh, Virginia McWhorter is like another conservative professor. Okay. Good, we have three now. <laughs> uh, first of all, congratulations. We wanted some people with some spine. I think we've got a few people up here that have backbones, so congratulations and thank you. My question is, what is the reaction by the males on campus? Is if there is any. Um, I can start. Um, you know, there's something special about women. I think that we are, we're the organizers. Without us, you know, no offense, men, but we kind of keep them in line. And so I think one, first they're shocked, and then they kind of come around to it. And I think they're just very, very, very intrigued. And also, I, especially with things like sexual assault and the double standard, um, I've had men say, oh my gosh, thank you for saying these things. Because when I say these things, people say, oh, you can't because you're a man. Or my favorite thing is they hear, no ovaries, no opinion. So at least amongst the conservative men, they are very thankful sometimes that there are conservative women out there because they feel like they can't say things because they're just a man, which is super ridiculous. Yeah, and I think that comes up even more when it, you get to life issues. Um, men are belittled, degraded when they dare say that they're pro-life. Um, so really what we have now is that conservative men have been unable to voice their opinions safely. They yeah. support you. Yes. The conservative ones. You know, <laughs> the liberals, they're always going to be lost cause. <laughs> Kana or Elizabeth, do you have a... I mean, on my campus, we actually are, I think, this week having a panel on toxic masculinity, if that tells you how we like males. Um, and there have been a lot of, we've actually done a lot of work on sexual assault and kind of like the black and white issues of it. And I have to say, this is one thing they're kind of doing. They're trying to engage males that actually, like, in a good way, <laughs> that they're not alienating them which is like really good for our cause because, you know, sometimes, oh, shoot, sorry. Um, then they actually do get to see like conservative males in like say their opinion, which is 
which is definitely not always heard. Um, on my campus, since my profile was more classroom-based, um, I'm actually in a feminist law class right now, which in and of itself is fun every day. Um, <laughs> but in that classroom, there are about five males in there, and I think I have seen one of them talk over the course of the semester. Um, so they are not really invited to speak or share their opinions because that they, they know they will be personally attacked for any word that comes out of their mouth. I have personally experienced being asked to leave the Yale Women's Center as a woman, which is interesting, not being welcome at the Women's Center. Um, I was wondering if you all had any experience with like your women's clubs on campus being uninclusive as you as a conservative woman. Oh, I have a great example. Um, when I first started this whole conservative activism thing, I decided I would sneak into their private Facebook group. You know, like the pictures of Ronald Reagan on my profile picture, they still let me in, so I was surprised. But when I was hosting the speaker, all of a sudden I see that my t personal tweets have been screenshotted and they just rip you to shreds. Like very, and they said, this is the reason that the feminist movement shouldn't be about advancing all women, just women who share our like ideologies. And I'm just kind of like, I, I liked the comment. I was like, hey, like what's up? And so, you know, the, the, femi the feminist groups on campus, you invite them to these women speakers. I said, hey, Babe Buchanan, she was a single mom. She had a career, she balanced it, she did it all. And they just got in an uproar. So of course these women's centers, these feminist groups, they're not gonna be inclusive, but you know, we don't really need them, so. Um, yeah, I mean, I try and stay away from the women's center because I know they won't like me. Um, but I'd say that we have our second floor of our student union is filled with all cultural centers. And I'd say even in most of those cultural centers, I'm not necessarily welcome. I mean, they won't always ask me to leave, but you can kind of tell that with all of my beautiful white privilege, they don't want me there. So I would say not necessarily only women's, but like all of those instances I've definitely encountered. Ask them to co-sponsor a speaker and see what they say, yeah. Any more questions? One more, at least. I'm wondering if, you, you didn't mention this as far as I can recall, but have you been punished by professors in terms of grades and treatment in the classroom? And if that has happened to you, as a, as a bit of background, here in Minnesota, for a couple of years, we had a horrific battle over some dreadful bullying legislation. And I'm wondering if anyone has used bullying bills, bullying laws, to go after professors who do take it out on students. Um, I actually, this didn't happen to me. This happened to one of my friends. Um, unfortunately, I forget some of the things that transpired. But anyways, a campus reform article ended up being written about um, an American Indian studies professor and it quoted that my friend and it was before the class was finished and the student had an A in the class before and then suddenly after finals week he had an F. He had failed the class. I don't know how you get there, some math errors I'm assuming, um, but even after that they just took to campus reform again, tried to do something, but this one student is not willing to go through the work to fight against this, even though I have some other friends that are like, please, this is a great thing. Like, we need to fight this. This is totally wrong. 
And so, yeah, I have definitely seen that on my campus. Not me personally, but yeah, it definitely still happens. Um, on my campus as well, again, not me either, but the chair of our college Republicans group, she um, was in a speech class over our J term, so a month long course, and I believe she had to give four speeches. Um, and they had a couple different options, like uh, what they had to base their speeches on. Um, and so her first one, she wanted to give on gun rights. And the professor, like she had to submit her topic idea, and the professor then called her into their office and asked her to please not speak on that because we don't want to offend anyone in the classroom. And when she told me this, I was thinking, well, that's our constitutional rights, but you know, regardless. Um, but then she tried to give um, her last speech, her final speech on um, abortion and choice versus life. Um, and the professor did not let her give that speech in class. She told her that if she tries to give that speech, she will not be welcome in the classroom. The anti-bullying legislation thing, that's a good idea. I'm gonna look that up. But, um, you know, once you do something big and you show, luckily my first big thing showed the university they can't get away, but once you kind of make a name for yourself, professors will back, they'll back off once you call them out. You know, some, some liberals, they're very solid and they won't budge, but a lot of them are spineless. So like, they don't really have that solid of convictions, they're just so used to getting away with it for so long. So I called out one of my professors for, um, giving do, giving me unfair comments for a paper I wrote against modern day feminism and I was just said oh this question was really one-sided I didn't answer it because if I answered it it wouldn't be what my opinion which what you asked for and then she backed off and said oh yeah I understand like you won't be graded based on your content just on your participation and I was like exactly you just have to push back and call them out and not be scared because you know you're paying them like you're paying your professors so you have every right to call them out yeah I've definitely I think at Georgetown our professors are fairly you know level-headed and tend to be open to other ideas but I have had other students all of a sudden they find out I'm a Republican and they have so many questions because that's you know just so fascinating um, and then but mainly professors and students, once they hear your opinion, they respect it. Um, and I, I've never gotten a bad grade for it or anything like that. Last question. Yeah, my daughter, who uh, couldn't get out of her AP history class, we won't go there, uh, is very interested in uh, going to uh, Georgetown, Al Harvard, one of the other Ivy Leagues. She's got some pretty high ambitions. Our concern is, um, the only thing more hated than a conservative is a farmer that's white. And um, so she's not sure that she would be able to get in. Do you have any, uh, any uh, suggestions along those lines? Because she's, we went, we saw Georgetown two weeks ago. So that's, that's like her number one. Right. Um, I would say, yeah, we have a lot of groups and uh, geographical diversity, if that makes sense. You know, I grew up in Wyoming, so there's a lot of, um, our College Republicans does a lot of like barbecue events and because we tend to be more of the rural areas come in. So there is a great community built in. Um, as far as, you know, the, the majority uh, liberals, um, that's just something you have to learn to deal with, but they're never antagonistic. I would say it's a friendly atmosphere. But it's, I mean, in terms of admissions, is there something to oh. 
If anything, the Midwest would probably help you. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't think so. If not, pretend you're a liberal. I had to do it at one point. It got me into student government, and now I get to shut them down. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Elizabeth, Kana, Lauren, and Mallory. You did a really fantastic job.